Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems Author Podcast, in which Craig Touch and myself normally explore uh, the crazy world of self-publishing that uh, we are in. But actually, we're expanding that a little today. We have two very special guests who are really excited to have on board. We've got uh, Mara Stott and Tudor Robbins, who recently co-authored a novel together. But they have all sorts of insight about not just the route of self-publishing, but also traditional publishing. So it's going to be really interesting to talk about how they co-wrote a novel together, how um, their traditional publishing experiences are, how their self-publishing experiences are, and all of the wisdom that we can glean from their brains from that. So uh, good morning, Mara. Hello. And good morning, Tudor. Hi there. We are very happy to have you both. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems Books and an author himself. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, I welcome both of you. I, I'm really excited to to talk to you because this is something like like uh, Roland said. We often are very focused on self publishing, um, but uh, the traditional publishing route is one thing that even a lot of self publishers are interested in uh, doing or pursuing, or at least knowing about in terms of whether they want to pursue it or what goes into getting a traditionally published deal. Um, it's also a way to diversify um, so you can have some self and some traditionally published books, and that helps in a lot of ways too. So these are all things that you guys can talk to really well. So um, that's, that's why you're here. So let's uh, let's jump right in. So how did this all? First of all, let's say how did you two get together to become writing partners and um, figure out? You know, you had the same sort of idea. What did you write together, and how did that all work? Uh, do you want to take that, Mara, or should I? I I can start um, with the beginning anyway. I think the the thing that brought us together was we happened to be self-publishing in the same genre and um, we were both at the same time self-publishing and um, around in the world of horse books um, so there at the time anyway from 2015 I believe it was um, there weren't as many <laughs> in that genre so it was easier to find each other the authors that were in that genre writing at the same time and it happened to be that that genre was proliferated mainly by self-published authors. So then it was easier to reach out to each other and start kind of forming little groups of people who talked about the genre and how we were doing our books um, and kind of creating a little authors, writers group to um, mostly actually that was inspired by Tudor. Tudor put that together. Um, so um, it kind of just came to be that we had sort of similar ideas and similar um, themes in our books and um, about what was that it was two years ago we just started writing a book together um, with established characters that we had in previous books so it was sort of just a fun side project that we did um, over the course of about a half a year she'd write a chapter I'd write a chapter and then um, we published it bits at a time on Patreon and eventually published the book ourselves um, on Amazon using the Patreon funds that we had collected, <laughs> um, which is a fun project. So that was, that's kind of our story. Now you say you mentioned that you, you use pre-existing characters. So those pre-existing characters from both your catalogs of books. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Interesting. Yeah. It's like a and cinematic universe. That's <laughs> right. And I think um, 
really that is a good segue into talking about this because that could only have happened in self-publishing world in that we it was a double experiment we i think we're both interested in finding out how we could use patreon and we were both interested in finding out if we could write a book together and there was no one to tell us we couldn't so um and then yeah like mara said it was super nice to come to the end of the project and realize that all the money that we needed to launch the book was just sitting there in the patreon fund so it didn't really cost us anything that's wonderful yeah, that's I, it's a good point because if you were to say, uh, you know, Disney owns everything now, but you know, for instance, they don't own DC, right? But they own Marvel, so you couldn't you you wouldn't see a movie where the Marvel characters and the DC characters come together and interact because they're just owned by different entities. And if you guys were traditionally published and wanted to do that, you'd probably have some some of the same issues where, you know, the one publisher is like, oh, you can't put your characters in some other publisher's uh, book. You know, I don't know. I imagine that would be one objection they would have. But as a self-publisher, you can do whatever you want, right? So. Right. And I also think it would just be really hard. Like, it's hard enough to get your own book deal um, to convince an agent or an editor to I mean, maybe if it was two huge names who wanted to do this kind of project together, but to convince them to kind of go out on a limb on a weird thing um, that was an experiment would be nearly impossible. And the only the other thing that was sort of a tie in or that is important with self-publishing is in a way we were really rewarding our loyal readers. So we were saying by reading this book, you're going to get to know more in my case about Cam, who was kind of a back story like we both kind of brought characters who people liked but we hadn't said a huge amount about them they were never a main character and so our readers really felt like it was fun to get to know and we were rewarding them for being loyal readers yeah right. in my case i could write an accidental sequel <laughs> now i was just gonna say craig and if it's if it's okay maybe we could dial back a bit and talk about both of your histories as writers because Judy, you started off as a traditionally published author and then moved into this. And maybe we could talk about your experiences first and then move on to Mara. But I mean, I think that's going to be really interesting why you went, took the traditional route at first and then moved into self-publishing and, and where it went from there. So could you speak uh, to that at all? Sure. So I published my first novel in 2013. So part of the reason that I did it traditionally is because that was just more recognized then. Um, and it was sort of, I think as well, my background I just always thought, well, you would just look for a traditional publisher. Uh, so I actually never have had an agent. That's where Mara can speak to agents. I have um, worked closely with an agent who I nearly signed with. But in terms of getting my first publishing contract, I went uh, to one of the publishers that allows direct submissions. So it was like a boutique publisher in uh, Toronto, in Canada. And it was... I mean, it was a good experience in many ways. Uh, I worked with a really good editor, but I think what one big thing, and I'd be interested to know if Mara agrees, but I think there's a lot of personality involved. Um, if you are not okay with giving up a lot of control, then traditional publishing is really difficult. And I kept seeing ways that I felt like my book could sell more, that my book could be promoted better that my book could be and also I just wanted to write more often and to bring out a book any more often than like once every two years with a publisher is very difficult 
So I made the decision to self-publish for my second novel and it suits my personality a lot more. I have so much more control. I make all the decisions. I mean, obviously everyone who self-publishes knows that the flip side of making all the decisions means you have to make all the decisions. Um, but that's sort of my route. And then the reason that I looked at it again is because actually this most recent, second most recent book I published is in a new genre. It's in middle grade. And Mara actually was a reader of the manuscript for me. And she said, publishers tend to do a good job with middle grade. So I actually went back to the agent that I had been in talks with years before, and we really went back and forth for a very long time about whether this book, particular book would be traditionally published. And in the end, it came down to the same thing, waiting and waiting and waiting and having no control. And in the end, I just said, I can't do this anymore. This book needs to go out in the world. And so I did self-publish it. So that's where I am right now. I'm, in, I'm fully in the self-publishing world. Um, reading all your emails that I get from Hidden Gems all the time and from everyone else trying to keep up with the latest things. And like just this morning, I saw the thing about getting your books translated. And again, these would all be my decisions. These would all be the things that I would have to do. And that's where I am right now. That is fascinating. Mara, could you tell us your, your history? So yeah, my history is um, the opposite <laughs> um, and a little more complicated. Yeah. Um, so I, my history starts off with writing short stories, mostly. Um, I published several short stories and, and magazines and anthologies, things like that. I had written a couple books that I shopped around to agents and we're talking like a decade ago. Um, and those always sort of wound up in black holes, um, which I think most writers can attest to. That happens to a good portion of books that get shopped out to agents. Um, and I kind of realized at the time that the books I were writing just weren't marketable for the traditional publishing um, arena. So those are the, the horse books, the young adult horse books that I was writing. And I kind of decided like, okay, after, after I had looked through all the things that were on offer in that genre and realized 95% of them were self-published, um, I decided to self-publish this, which worked great. I, I think they were, they were quite successful. But um, after a while, I, I think I just sort of got tired of writing that genre. I just needed to do something else for a while. Um, and at that point, I think I was struck by not knowing what to do because I was so honed in on how to market and write my books for that audience. I, I wasn't quite sure how to break out of that mold without going the traditional publishing path. And so the mold that I found myself in that I was most interested in writing was these contemporary fantasy books about, you know, witches and whatnot that I was just kind of interested in. Um, and that tends to be more of a traditional publishing playground. Um, so what I wound up doing was um, accidentally, again, finding myself in this pitch wars um, mentorship a couple of years ago um, before they closed their doors. They're, they are done now um, and wound up with my agent that way. Um, and we are currently working on a couple of books together um, that are in that contemporary fantasy realm, um, which is really fun and fascinating. And and I think I wound up going that route because um, the, the self-publishing as immediate and gratifying as that is wound up being a little too fast for me. I can't write fast. I'm not a fast writer. And um, I think I would only be putting out one book a year regardless. Um, and that doesn't tend to be the best strategy as a self-published author. Um, it's far more of a traditional author sort of um, strategy. So um, I, I feel more comfortable having the agent and going 
at a more slow pace, which is exactly what traditional publishing is set up to do. It is glacially slow. <laughs> yeah, that that is definitely one of the biggest complaints that authors have is, you know, the dealing with uh, someone who, or, you know, this, the publisher who they move at this snail's pace and they just want to get their stuff out. And also a lot of things that Tudor mentioned is you, the loss of control and the, the idea that um, they don't do the kind of promotion and marketing all the time that you think they should do and you want to do. And a lot of times that's not even within your control, even though, you know, you'd think, I would think that as a traditional publisher, if, if the author's like, listen, I'm going to go do the marketing for my book on my own, I'd be like, sure, you know, <laughs> you can pay for it then, you know, but a lot of people say that, you know, they, they're more restricted by that. And I think that's opening up a little bit now, you know, Amazon allowing um, anyone to sort of advertise books that uh, are traditionally published, but you still need probably the traditional publisher to sign off on it as well. Right. So uh, I think that kind of thing is is one of the things that holds people back. And the fact, of course, the the monetary idea that as a self-publisher, you're getting so much more of the of the pie. Uh, you don't have to pay your pub, you know, you with the trad publishing, you're getting a, a very, very small percentage. And then if you have an agent, you got to pay them and if you know, all that stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, it's there's there's all those things, I think, that keep people away yet so many authors still kind of feel like there's this feeling i I get from a lot of people that even though they know they're authors because they self-published they feel like more of an author when they're traditionally published right and i you know i don't know if that's a a feeling we should have as as self-published authors but it is something that a lot of people can't shake and then so they go after the trad publish even if it's just for a book or two, just so they they can say that they have that. Or for those people that say, "Oh, you're an author," you know, who are you publish with, and you self publish. Oh, you're self publish. At least then you could say, "No, no, I've got real published books." Yeah, it, it's so funny that that conceit because I know when I introduce people, uh, introduce myself to people, I'm like, "Oh, I'm an author and I'm self published," and it's exactly that dismissive, like, "Oh, you're self published," and it's like, "Well, I." sold 67,000 copies of my book so you know you know yeah and and it's this thing people I think to the general public people don't understand that you can be extremely successful probably more successful in certain genres as a self-published author than through traditional publishing exactly as a it's a smart idea for a lot of authors you make a lot more money self-publishing but there's that perception out in the world that it's less than right so I think it's great that you guys are doing both right and I think uh, Mara could probably maybe speak to this more now when I, cause it's even changed a lot since, you know, since 2013, but with the advance that I got, um, there's a good chance that it could have been fairly even in terms of what I earned, at least for the first couple of years. Like if you get an advance and then you don't have to pay for a cover and you don't have to pay for the editor and you don't have to pay for anything, then, you know, unless you're already a pretty successful self-publisher, it's probably going to even out in terms of your earnings. But I do think even since then, advances have gone down. And I also think 
like the first book that I self-published is my most successful and it continues to be my most successful. And I think there's way more opportunity for backlist sales and also more opportunity to do a whole bunch of other things um, with self-publishing so that I think you're right. There is more opportunity to earn money, but it's not so cut and dried if you're just starting out. Um, but you know, and, and then there is this kind of perception that, and this is maybe more of a Canadian one. I don't know what you think, Craig, but I think sometimes there's this traditional idea in Canadian literature that you shouldn't write to get paid. You know, you should write for other reasons. Oh, so that's absolutely. Dirty concept as well. It's yeah, been one of the, the ironies that if you are successful as a writer, somehow that gives you less credibility. Yeah. But I don't know yeah. really about earning. Like you're more in tune with advances right now and that kind of thing. Well, yeah. As far as advances go, I have seen anything from four figures to seven. Um, it, it's all over the place. I, I wouldn't even really begin to explain how wild it is. Um, just just from the people that I know off, off the top of my head. Yeah, it's, it's a four to seven figure <laughs> difference. And um, and what drives that? It's, it's marketability and it's trends and it's who you are, how much money the publisher thinks they can make off of you, your book, your image, what kind of platform you've got. All sorts of things go into those decisions that I am not beholden to as just a little author and not a member of these acquisitions boards. Um, but it's 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 just a kind of a wild difference. Um, and then, of course, one way that once you get that advance, it, it does come down to like how often are you going to get paid chunks of that advance? A lot of times it's four or five times now. It used to be three. So they would run out those um, advances in three big chunks um, and you live fairly comfortably. And now it's not exactly like they, they try to give you smaller chunks as you go through. But then, you know, you have to give a cut to your agency, then, you know, you pay taxes and all these great things. Um, and then you eventually get your money. And then hopefully you'll earn out and then you'll get royalties. But, you know, even that, it, you don't know if that's going to happen. So, um, so yeah, the money end can be very tricky. Um, but as far as the disadvantages and advantages of the whole thing, it's, it's really just what works for you, I guess you could say, um, because the learning curve for self-publishing is steep mm -hmm. and whether or not you're going to be successful at it is just as much of a roll of a dice as it is getting an agent and getting traditionally published. You can write and throw things on Amazon to your heart's content, but it doesn't mean you're going to get anybody to read it. Um, you have to put work and effort into that. Um, and and that's that's the difference right there. I mean, you have to really put effort into making a business as a self-published author. And it's really not different for traditional published authors. You do a lot of groundwork, um, but you do have marketing teams. You've got an agent. You have people who handle publicity. You, you have those people in your corner to some extent, maybe more so than others. Again, that's one of those things along the lines of money. How much money are you bringing into your publishing house? And they will reward you if you are one of those people <laughs> who, get, who do fairly well. Um, so it, it's, I wish there were cut and dry answers to all of it, but it tends to be rather muddy. Yeah, right. your mileage may vary, right? <laughs> they, I think we hear that uh, a lot too, is uh, the experience of some authors is 
almost the opposite of that, where they found that, um, I guess it depends on your publisher and your level, right? But they found that their publisher really wasn't doing a lot of those things and wasn't helping them with a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's kind of like the whole reason to go to to the publisher, in my opinion, right? You're giving them the lion's share of the money they should be doing the lion's share of all that other work because you, your job was writing the book. They can take it from there, in my opinion, right? For the amount of money that they are taking from the whole process, they should be doing a lot of that stuff because you're right. Self-publishing is a lot of work. It's a business. I mean, you can, you can certainly not do any of the work you can. It's way easier to just write a book and put it on Amazon and do nothing. (laughs) You know, I can create a, a cover and paint and, not have anyone edit it and you know sure but that no one's gonna probably buy it or read it right so if you want somebody to actually read the book that's where the work comes in you have to take on all of those publishers uh, all the publisher responsibilities that's you and if um, you want to sell copies yep yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so i think you have to be realistic about the strength so um like the reason that i would have considered publishing my middle grade book with a traditional publisher is because they still now I would say it's changing, but they still have, they can sell print books, right? And they can sell print books because of the way the system has been built up over the years. And there's a whole lot built into that, that a lot of people don't know about or think about. And it's the whole um, agreement, sets of agreements and sets of sometimes spoken and sometimes unspoken ways that publishers and bookstores work together. And um, so if I, for me, I was looking at a middle grade book that I thought would be really a pretty book, like a physical book. And I thought, well, they can probably sell a lot more print copies of that than I can. Um, Now, having said that, I think one of the things that Craig found really interesting because we previously sort of spoke about this a long time ago and I had some interesting experiences with my publisher where I actually did the legwork to get my book into Costco and they bought 200 copies and they sold out in no time. And the publisher had no interest in picking up that slack and running with it and continuing to provide more copies. And in fact, they weren't even very happy that I had done that. So it really is based on traditional channels right? The publishers have traditional channels and there's traditional ways that they do things. They give booksellers a really, really big discount. They guarantee that booksellers can return all those copies to them if they don't sell them. Like there's a lot of these deals and and ways that it works. They um, give placement to publishers' books in certain spots in the bookstore. And so really, if you want that, um, and if you want to be like, here in Canada, it's Indigo. If you want someone to walk in at some point to Indigo and see your book on an end cap, and if you know you really are going to need to pursue traditional publishing as of now, so I think that's you kind of need to think about the kind of book that you're trying to sell and what your goals are. But I would say ebooks, self publishers do it better. Um, audiobooks, I think audiobooks are still shaking out, still trying to figure out what audiobooks are going to be, but I think there's kind of equal opportunities. And then even now, like I just got my first ever dust jacketed case laminate from Ingram and it is the most gorgeous book I've ever seen. And it's way prettier than a lot of traditional publishing books. So I was able to do that all by myself and that's a new thing. So I don't know where that's going to go. 
but I think you need to think about not only your personality and how much control you like, but your goals for your book to decide where you want it to be published. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot about that story that you told me. And um, yeah, I don't want to get the details wrong, but it, it just annoys me because it's like you, you're traditionally published. You're, you're, publisher's not really doing much for you you take the initiative to go to costco yourself you sell them on the idea of and i can't imagine that's easy i'm sure that lots of people go to costco and be like hey i have this thing and they're like yeah okay great um but you actually convince them to take 200 copies of your book and they put them out and they all sold off and then your publisher's like yeah that's not you shouldn't have done that (laughs) because like what do you mean isn't our goal here to sell books and i'm doing your job and you're not happy with that like Oh, that annoys me. Um, but I still think good on you for taking that initiative and doing that and proving out to yourself that your book sells, even if your publisher is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right. But I think that also speaks to my personality because I could do the same thing with a self-published book, I think. I think if I yeah. take them in my books and they look as good as they do, it's one of those things where Costco doesn't really care who published a book. Um yeah. And I think that's part of the reason is because there is no established relationship there. So I think you just have to be realistic. You can't expect a publisher to be something they aren't. And you can't expect an agent to be something they aren't. And that's what they are. And I think you just have to go into it with your eyes open and know what they are. And unfortunately, there is no situation where one form of publishing is going to give you the best access to ebooks, the best access to print books, the best, the best, the best. There isn't that. There's an either or. Um, and I think with developments, who knows where self-publishing is going? It keeps changing all the time and we keep getting better access to more and more things, but still, you know, I think you would agree with me here, Mara, the, like, if you want one of those, if you want beautiful print books out in bookstores, um, they're good at that and they have warehouses and they have trucks and they have all that stuff. They are. They have those resources. Um, so if you do want that beautiful hardback that is designed by the very best artists that they have, you know, on staff or available, um, with the beautiful dust jacket and everything, then yes, that, that definitely is the path that you want. Yeah. And I think, you know, for a middle grade um, series and books, it makes sense probably, I imagine, and I could be wrong, but with all these relationships they have they probably have ins and into schools into libraries uh where the kids are and the kids probably for the most part want to read physical books still i know my my son has a kindle and he he reads everything on the kindle my daughter who loves horses and i if i can get her into the reading to the level that he is i would be showing her your books, but she's more into a physical book, right? So she would love the pretty covers of your middle grade books and she would discover them in the libraries or if we gave gave it to her or buy it on Amazon or whatever. Uh, but um, I think if they have, like you're saying, in your case for a middle grade book, it might make more sense if they have those relationships and they can push it into the places where the kids are because kids aren't typically middle grade kids aren't buying their own books for the most part, right? So self-publishing probably isn't going to reach them to the level that traditionally published books are. 
but boxes are also quite huge right now uh, because of that obsession with the kind of tangible, especially when it comes to young adult and middle grade books, um, because not only are they giving you the print book and all these little knickknacks, but they're also giving you a very special print book. It's different, it's got a different cover, it's got like beautiful, you know, gold edges. It's, it's stunning to look at. And, you know, that's what publishers are very good at. Right. And the other thing that publishers can do a lot more easily than we can, like, I would love to translate my books, but it's so expensive. And then even then, how do I know if the German translator is doing a good job? Um, so, and even audiobooks as well, like I say, I think it's getting better and easier, but still those are an investment and publishers have more of that money, but you still do lose the control and you do get a lot less of the returns. Um, but the, the other thing I think that we really need to mention is kind of the elephant in the room is that we're keep saying choice or think about or decide, but it's not exactly a choice. It really isn't a choice. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like saying you need to choose whether to play basketball in the Olympics or in the NBA. I mean, you don't get to decide. Right. And I think that's part of the reason a lot of people do want to get a traditional publishing contract is it is about, I mean, I don't know if you think this is right, Mara, but I feel like it's comparable about as many people will make it to the Olympics as we'll get a traditional publishing contract. Like it's pretty hard. It's a really small percentage. It's yeah, really hard to even get an agent, you know, the and then once. Yeah. The choice that you have is whether or not you choose to query an agent. That is right. Um, whether or not you get the agent is, again, it's up to so many factors that I can't list them all here. Um, it's just, there's so much that goes into whether or not one person gets an agent versus another person who might be sitting right next to you. Um, and maybe even that person next to you is a better writer objectively, and you are not, but you get the agent. It just, it depends on so many factors. And then once you get that agent, it's not, it's not an immediate open door to a publishing house. Like, oh, here's your book contract. That's not how it works at all. So once you get your agent, then you have to make sure your book is perfect. And then you take it out to a few editors at these major publishing houses, um, a few imprints, and you see how it does. And if it does great, good, you still may or may not have a book deal, but it did fairly well. People were interested. So you go back and you do some changes and you throw it back out there for a second round, maybe, um, and months can go by, years. Sometimes people don't have book deals after four or five books. Um, some people just go right in and they get their book deal after a week. It is wildly different for everybody. And there's no choice there. Your only choice is whether or not you query the teacher. Yeah. So whether you're going to try in the first place is your choice. That's your first choice, at least. And it's the obviously, the, you know, at that point, even if they take you, then it still has to get sold to a publisher, right? And obviously there's this path, as Tudor said, uh, where you can go directly to the publisher, but that's even more limited. Um, so uh, going through an agent is is the most more common path. And then there are things that the agent's going to do for you, right? So I imagine, you know, you were talking about the, um, well, various things, but one of the things would be your advance, right? Your agent probably can ideally they would maybe get you a better advance than what you might've been offered. If you didn't have an agent, they might be able to get you better terms. I've heard of authors that were able to negotiate 
only selling some of the rights. So maybe you're only selling them the paperback rights, but you retain the ebook rights or you retain the audiobook rights or you retain the translation rights. So that way you still maintain some control, but sell off the parts that you know that they can do better at. Is that fair to say or? Yeah, to to a degree, sure. It's the agent's job is to represent the author and um, get as much money for the author as possible. Um, because, well, I mean, whatever happens with the author and their advance, the agent does just as well. So it benefits the agent to get as much money, as many rights as they can um, to benefit the author's position. Um, so they will look at contracts and determine what would be beneficial for the author um, and they'll strike language out and then they'll yell at each other a lot. There's a lot of conversation. Um, and then they kind of will bring it back to me like, well, they say this, this is their final offer. Are you okay with that? And I'll be like, yeah, of course, let's just go with this. Um, and, you know, again, like it, their offer might be wildly different to somebody else. Like they may think that, yeah, we can lowball this person even more because this agent's just, we can roll right over them. Um, so you, there's, Nothing is really for sure. <laughs> but yeah, the, the agent is definitely there to stick up for the rights of the author. Um, and if anybody's going into a deal with a publishing house and they don't have an agent, I would recommend that they get one immediately because it's these book contracts are long and complicated and it's beneficial to have somebody who knows what they are doing to look at them before you sign anything. Yeah, so if someone wants to know, like, how like we're here saying diversify or whatever if someone wants to know how i would say first like in terms of choices and decisions you maybe need to have a project that you think isn't suitable for traditional publishing and you're prepared to deal with all the downsides for the possible upsides and say you've made that decision then you can decide whether you want to try to go get an agent or whether you want to go direct to a publisher who doesn't require an agent now you can find them Basically, you Google um, most writers associations in different countries will have lists, but you should know, like, those are usually smaller publishers. So if you want a big five publisher, you have to have an agent. Like, you have to. That's just it. Like, forget it. You're not random housing it or whatever without an agent. But like, if you want to go to Dundurn Press in Canada, or I was Red Deer Press, or there's a number of, there's probably like 20-ish in Canada, smaller publishers. And it's not like they're smaller, you're probably going to get less of an advance. But like Red Deer's big thing, the press that I was published with, their big thing was getting awards. So they had a ton of Governor General Awards nominations, like that was their thing. So it's not that it's going to be lower quality necessarily, but it's going to be a different experience. Then, so that's your first decision. Do you want to go direct to publishers? And 100% if you do that, if you do get a contract offer, you should probably um, get a lawyer yes. to look at the contract. <laughs> you, know, like, you don't necessarily have to get an agent because an agent will take 15%. Usually it's 15% of everything forever. Um, and if you don't want to do that, then you don't have to. But you, again, it's almost a bit like the self-publishing way where now you're not signing it over to someone else, but you still have to do everything yourself. So you would have to find a lawyer. You would have to pay that lawyer. Um, the other way to do it is to get an agent. And Mara has an agent and have, getting an agent is really hard. And so hard that if you think of the layers and the top layer being getting a publisher, 
like a random house type publisher. And then the layer underneath that being you have to get an agent before you can get that publisher. It's almost come down another layer to what Mara was talking about, like pitch wars or Mara and I, not only did we co-write a book, but we co-mentored. So this past year we were co-mentoring people who wanted to go through the traditional publishing process. And we were evaluating their first part of their manuscripts and their pitches and that kind of thing. And so that's almost like another layer you can apply to be mentored. And then by being mentored, you could apply to get an agent. And Mara is probably better to talk about that process because she actually has an agent. But yeah, so there's, there's a lot to think about. It's not as simple as it seems. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. So you guys, um, is this like a business that you started or is it like, what is this, the mentorship that you're doing? Uh, the mentorship is actually, we, we were working on a mentorship called the Right Team Mentorship. It's a mentorship program that a friend of mine put together a couple of years ago um, after we left the Pitchwars program. Um, she uh, didn't want to go back and, and be a mentor at Pitchwars, so she just created her own program. Um, and it's done fairly well so far. We've already got a few published um, authors through that program. Um, so I, I think she's she's doing great for herself. Um, but yeah, we've we've been doing some mentoring um, through that program. And it's just one of very, very many programs that are out there for authors who are interested in taking that step with their writing and who may be interested in going into traditional publishing you by no means need to be on that path. Maybe you just want to become a better writer. Um, the mentorship programs that are out there um, are, are really great just to like better your writing, better your skills, your um, all those, those very technical author skills that you'll need moving forward for either path um, that you might find yourself on. Um, the biggest one right now is um, AMM. It's like um, author mentor match. That's the largest one out there currently. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, people that are on both ends of the spectrum. There's people that want to figure everything out for themselves, whether it's, you know, time or money or whatever, or that's just their personality, right? They just want to, like, I'm going to, I want to be a traditionally published uh, author. I'm just going to start, you know, maybe they'll Google it, see what the steps are, and they'll start contacting an agent and they'll do all those things themselves. And there's other people that, really want to learn how to do it and they want to hire somebody or they want to go through a program that teaches them take a course uh and that's how they learn and that's the you know so i think the fact that there is this mentorship thing that's really good and that's going to be really valuable for a lot of the people that that that's the way they prefer to do things is learn from an expert first I do also want to really shout out these programs because there are lots of programs that are designated for people of color and disadvantaged, um, uh, even like youths, things like that. Um, so it's it's really great, especially for people who do not have like a, a real position of privilege in the writer realm. So it's it's really good if you want to have a mentor who looks like you, who's in the same position as you, um, navigate this industry i would say that's it's a real boom there i think that's fantastic because one of the most exciting things about self-publishing is there is diversity that is getting the opportunity to get their books out there and find an audience that didn't exist before i mean there's the genre uh, bwwm black woman white man as a romance genre that you know never existed in traditional publishing and now it's like a massively powerful 
chunk of that market so so that sounds really exciting and i think that's like really valuable for for publishing and writing and art as a whole for you guys to be doing that yeah 100 percent. and actually um a woman i met recently through being on a panel together that's exactly the genre she writes in and she has these most beautiful covers and of course she can commission the covers to look exactly the way she wants them to and she does really beautiful book boxes so um it it is funny because i did have a debate with a traditionally published colleague of mine who was saying you know there needs to be a lot more diversity in publishing and i was like but you know agreed but right now you anyone can put anything on amazon but she was clearly like well that doesn't count so <laughs> that's a whole other debate um but yeah the you know, I think the mentorships are really helpful because it kind of breaks down the mystique. And one thing I think that both Mara and I were very cognizant of and tried hard to do, like every time we would have someone assigned to us, we would have a call. And you really try to think about where that person's coming from, um, what they're trying to accomplish. And you also try to give them feedback, not in terms of what we thought the project should be or the changes they should make but asking them questions like what are you trying to accomplish here is this what you were trying to do um because really in the end it needs to be their story and they need to think about why they're doing it and what they're trying to get out of it um so that's why i think the mentorship programs are great and then as we all know if you can articulate your project it's going to be much better when you publish it or it's going to be much better when you query an agent because I think we've probably all been in the case in the situation of having written like 50,000 or 70,000 words and suddenly going, what were we exactly doing? So we're trying well, to very- rescue people from that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really good because it's sort of the same philosophy that I use when I do uh, author consult calls um, before I even have the call. I usually uh, send a list of questions to the author to make sure that I understand what their goals are, because, you know, um, it's not the advice you give to somebody is not one size fits all. Everybody's goals are different. Some people want to publish just because they have a story to tell. They don't care about the money. They don't care about, you know, they don't want to really spend the time or money or or whatever for, for marketing it. They just want to publish something. And, and, so that's a different and that's perfectly valid and then there's another person who they need to they want to quit their job they want it they need to make as much money as possible so their goal is going to be different right what we do with them is going to be much different and and the advice that we give them is different right and so it sounds like the same sort of thing with uh with the mentorship which is the right in my opinion the right way to do it is figure out what it is a person wants and help them achieve those goals, not just a set goal that everyone has to achieve. And that's that's one of the reasons why it's great to have the diversity, right? Because you, uh, these programs that are specifically for certain uh, types of people, certain races, certain whatever, their goals are going to be different and their experiences are going to be different and their challenges are going to be different. And so if you if you gear your mentorship to that, that's even better. I love that. Yeah. And I think Mara, you could speak more to this, but even, you know, it depends what kind of agent you go for. Like you, I believe have a more editorial agent. Yeah. 
Sure, there, there are many different types of agents um, and well, many different types by which I mean that there are different types of agents with different types of experience and who have different types of ways about going about their job. Um, my agent herself is extremely editorial. She was an editor at the big five publishing houses in a previous life. <laughs> and, um, so I always expect to get a very lengthy editing letter from her whenever I give her anything. Um, and I feel that that greatly benefits me as a writer who needs that, like, huh, you can't do that. Like, <laughs> I think about things before you write a little bit more. Like, um, I, I see like a heavy hand to like guide me through my own writing process sometimes as opposed to other agents who are like, yeah, totally, maybe we should just change this whole concept here. Think about that for a while. Um, which is, you know, how other agents might approach an, an author's work. Um, so it really depends on who, how you want to be managed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true, too. There's different types of people that need different types of management. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. Um, so, okay, so if you were to, I guess, give us sort of like the high-level steps of what you have to go through obviously you know querying an agent is the first step you know what are, what are some of the things that um somebody who is looking to do the traditionally published route what are some of the steps they're going to have to expect to go through you know besides yeah once they actually do make that first decision to try to do it and then query the agent and then presumably let's say they 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 get accepted what what would come next for them and what what do they query their agent with so generally speaking, if you're going to make the decision, say, yes, I want to go the traditional route. I've seen the things that go on in self-pub and I'm not interested. Definitely traditional for me. Um, the first thing you would want to do is to really go over what it is you've written. Um, make sure it is just flawless, as flawless as you can make it. And have other people read it, people you trust with it. Really make sure that it it's some sort of, uh, make sure that it at least looks a little bit marketable. It doesn't have to be marketable. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be like fitting all the trends. So I wouldn't say chase trends at all. I wouldn't say chase the market because that's impossible. Write what you really want to write um, and then make sure it looks good. Um, it fits what is out there and has been published, which means you have to be reading within your genre like a lot. Um, you can't, run out there and write a book and not have read really widely within any genre because it might mean that your book itself might be great, but it's so wildly off genre that no one will buy it. Um, so read everything, write something to the best of your ability and have others read it um, and then take their edits to heart. You don't have to change everything that they say to change, but be open to it. And then you have to start thinking about how it is you're going to hook that agent, because that is kind of an art form by itself. There's a lot of stuff online about that. Um, you have to learn how to write a query letter. You have to learn how to write a synopsis. Um, and you have to do it well. Uh, it's something that you really have to think about and put yourself towards, which is another one of those things where you do the best of your ability, you have other people read it. And if they have questions about it, like, what does any of this mean? You have to then be willing to go back and edit that letter until it makes sense. And, <laughs> and that can be very difficult. Um, so, so getting the query letter, writing the synopsis, doing that to the best of your ability. And then you have to go out there and find an agent who would be willing to represent your work. 
not just any agent will take just any book. They have to be very interested in the concept. Um, so my agent herself loves witches. I have a book about witches. It worked perfectly. <laughs> but I can't just say, like, I have a witch book and send it off to some person who doesn't represent that genre, has no interest whatsoever in witches, and represents sports novels. That's not going to work at all. So you have to be very willing to go through all those agency websites, look at all of their wish lists, all of that sort of thing, and really pick the right person to represent your work. Because if you don't do that, it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of their time. And everybody just gets very flustered on Twitter and, <laughs> and just, you know, make sure that you're using your time appropriately. Um, so let's say all of that works out. You have an agent who says, yes, I am offering. I definitely want to represent you. At this point, it's really important to remember that you have rights. <laughs> lots of agents, um, not lots, I should say, maybe a handful will say something along the lines of, you need to come with me immediately and we're going to sign and we're going to go on sub in two split seconds and we're going to get you a book deal. And that sounds great, um, but at the same time, it might not be realistic. So you need to remember that you have options. You probably have other agents out there with cool manuscripts that you've given them. And you should tell them right off the bat that I have an offer. Um, what do you think? And give them two weeks to decide. Always two weeks, that's industry standard. And if anybody gets flustered about that, it's industry standard. So you can hold on to your ground about that. Um, and then you wait two weeks. <laughs> and that can be very, very difficult. And then that's when you realize that publishing is mostly waiting. Um, so you just got to wait it out. And then two weeks go by and you have an agent, you sign with that agent, and then you move into edits. And that can take a long time. Um, so then you're editing your novel. And then however many years go by, <laughs> or maybe a week. Again, it really depends um, on a lot of factors that have nothing to do with you. Um, and then it goes on sub. So that means that the agent will kind of write out a pitch for your book that has everything to do with your query letter. So that's why you want to make sure that your query letter is perfect um, because they're going to base their pitch off of your query. And they're going to send that query and your book to editors that your agent has probably had lunch with multiple times. Um, and the editor may read it instantly love it and immediately offer you a book deal and maybe others read it too and you go to an auction process and everybody starts fighting over it and it's chaotic and you get seven figures for a book or it sits there and nobody reads it and people ghost you and nobody wants to talk about it and it's just kind of kind of quietly dies on some all sorts of things can happen when you're on sub um and then if you know, everything is great. You have a book deal, great. You go into edits again, two years will roll by and then your book is on shelves. Or if it doesn't sell, you work on a new book, you do the whole process over again. And that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> I think that's amazing advice. You just put such a, a process concisely in something. I think people are going to find that really valuable. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> and the other thing I would say is like, so in some ways, traditional publishing and self-publishing aren't that different. To be perfectly honest, the process of like researching and getting all your ducks in a row for um, querying agents is a little bit like finding keywords and getting all your ducks in a row and having the right, you know, metadata and like you're kind of doing the same thing. And 
a lot of times you get out of it what you put into it. So it's still hard work. It's still a lot of the same kind of research. It's just that one, you're doing it with one aim in mind, one, you're doing it with the other aim in mind. So that is brilliant. Now, unfortunately, we have run out of time. I think we could probably talk to both of you for a lot, lot longer. But wow, you've given us such a lot of really valuable uh, information. And it's really interesting, Craig, I don't know if you agree to, to have like the traditional publishing angle mixed in there so we get a bit more context so craig do you have any any more questions or thoughts uh i I agree fantastic advice and it's great to hear from people that have gone through the process through both sides of the process right because that allows you to know the pros and the cons of each side and and what you're giving up by going one way or the other um but even better having your cake and eating it too by by having both you know like having some books traditionally and some books non and a lot of times we talk about um going wide meaning diversifying your books to other bookstores as a self-publisher but this is another version of going wide another version of diversification which is putting your some of your books in trad publishing some of them is self-publishing some of them here some of them there and that gives you a lot more, um, uh, makes your whole career more flexible, more resilient to issues and change, I think. So it's uh, it's definitely something every author should think about and decide because, like we said, like it's not one size fits all. Everybody's uh, got different feelings and uh, goals. And so, you know, going through the thought process of this whole thing lets them figure out if it's for them. So thank you guys for for laying it out for us and well thank you for having this podcast it's i think it's really helpful to writers i like listening to all the other topics great thank you now before we go tudor very quickly where can people find uh your books and more about you so easiest thing is tudorrobins.com so it's t-u-d-o-r-r-o-b-i-n-s.com also uh there's that handy amazon author page tudor robbins author page on amazon and i love hearing from people so there's ways to contact me feel free that's awesome and mara same question for you so um yeah maraschatat.com is my website but i have nothing there right now so if you want to see my self-published things um it's maradivicious.com um and usually you'll find me if you well we will pop uh all the links and stuff that you share with us down below so people can find you uh that way as well and in fact to those of you out there watching and listening don't forget to give mara and tudor a a thumbs up or like uh if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe drop a comment down below uh ask any questions you have for them and thank you so much for listening uh mara tudor it's been a real pleasure we really enjoyed having you maybe we'll talk to you again in the future and until then everybody we will be back with another episode of fully booked next week thank you for listening 